The Glue Guys podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers. They're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So Game Time not only does sports tickets, but you can also get tickets to concerts and the theater. I just saw Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Phenomenal. Awesome. Game time can get you into the door in your arena, your concert venue, your theater as cheap and as in the best seats possible. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Store or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitch. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, NetSelly.com, The Athletic. Brian. Well, the Nets are back in Brooklyn after an arduous five game road trip out west. The Nets are back in Brooklyn. And what did they do in their homecoming game? They lost by 29 points. 29 um, points? Mike. Don't like people are freaking out. Captain Marvelous thirty three <laughs> is losing his mind uh, in Twitch chat and in on Twitter. Um, nobody panic. Hey, by the way, can we just say how correct we were for going two and three on that road trip? Yeah, um, that that kind of felt. I mean, obviously, I wish they had went four and one because there was that possibility as the games were being played that they could have been a four and one road trip. Um, but you know, we got one tweet acknowledging the fact that we were correct on that and i appreciate those tweets i appreciate that again more than the team actually winning basketball games i'd rather be right somebody actually wrong, tweeted that at right? us that's that's so rare that's so fleetingly rare <laughs> i only ever hear about how wrong we are about things that's nice who was that shout that person out um steve scarpula oh hey. steve he also said friend of the show he said brian don't have kids um, <laughs> and i just i wish it was up to me it's it's really not though that's the thing. <laughs> um so what we're like going to talk uh, when when you just if you want to move the mic just a little bit away from me you're, you're peeking in it and it blows out the uh, the audio there a little bit. Okay, Brian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it just turns off. It turns it turns it off for like two seconds. Um, what we're going to talk about today is yes, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pacers game and we're going to talk about the road trip and just sort of generally touch on things that we've learned about this basketball team. But Brian, you were in the building for the Pacers blowout. How was that experience for you? Um, it was pretty lame. Um, we had, I mean, we had great, we had good seats. It was, that was nice. Everything was nice. You know, it's normal. This feels like a normal, um, Nets team, like watching experience. Um, I could have done without the like college chads behind me just talking about how quiet it was in there. And I was like, dude, we're, you know, we're down okay. 25. <laughs> what do you, this isn't, who were these people? St. John's, this isn't a Rutgers game, <laughs> Chad, um, <laughs> Whatever, whatever. What was the conversation? They 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 were upset that the Nets fan base wasn't more. They they, they specifically said even at, even when St. John's is getting blown out, it's it's like lit AF in there. Dude, I was like well, get out of here. Well, one St. John's doesn't play at Barclays, and two, I think they had like five thousand fans show up for a game at the Garden. 
recently. So St. John's, all of you St. John's Nets fans, we love you. But all the people that are haters who went to St. John's who act like Nets fans, we don't like you. That's the bucket of people we don't like. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So how was um, the game in person? Did you did did you feel like the team quit? Did you? Yeah, feel- you could f- you could feel the hopelessness. <laughs> Actually, what you didn't feel is the team quit. And every time you would look up, it like well, there was a period of time obviously where we didn't score. Like I think we scored four points in a hard like twelve minutes in between the first and the second quarter or something. Um, and that felt you could feel that um, all the way all the way down to your bones, down <laughs> in your plums. Um, but that uh, but then like we started to I guess. I guess we started to play hard after that, but it was it was uh, meaningless. Um, what do you think of Triple A Iman Shumper? People in Twitch chat are are wanting to hear your hot takes. I mean, Smokey J Cuddy um, with a fiery hot take saying that Shumper just needs to play more. Full stop. Yeah. So what? So if you just look at his stat line, which was not impressive, three points on one for five shooting, and all those shots were from the three point arc, one steal, one rebound, and that was it. Not impressive, though. I will say, he the one steal he made was one of the rare times I felt like a perimeter defender made a positive play that created some positive momentum from the team because he actually stole the ball, you know, whatever on all, you know, got it going the other way. I, you know, I he played a lot. He played 19 minutes for, which is kind of surprising, but they also needed him to play 19 minutes. I'm intrigued. I am. Um, I liked his vibe out there, but it was it was obviously rusty. This was like a pretty Chinese rust game. If you're going to pick out all the Chinese rust games, this was mm. the rustiest of Chinese rust games because there were about five passes where they were completely errant passes by the Nets. The Nets only had nine turnovers in this game, but five of them felt like the like the the worst form of turnover, as in the. Not even a there wasn't even a creative play being tried. It was just simply a lackadaisical or a incoherent type play. Whereas most turnovers, you know, it's like you're hopefully you're pursuing points. These were just passes that are just being thrown out of the building. Um, it was uh, the game was so bad that it makes people forget about how great the Bulls game was. That's how this bad is why that I'm game also, was. I'm, I'm watching the Blazers game from two weeks ago now. That's what's <laughs> going on the stream, just to remind myself of what it looked like when Karras and Kyrie were playing and things looked things looked different, you know? And we just got to get back to that feeling. Are we worried about this uh, impingement? Are we going to be monitoring this situation, or is he? are we going to be done with this impingement and back so, to normal, or what? It's already come out that Kyrie's not playing tomorrow night. We're recording okay. this on Tuesday. I think, uh, who, I don't even know who they're playing tomorrow night, but... They're not. He Kyrie is not going to be there. I think it's the Hornets. The impingement is continuing to impinge upon his ability to play basketball, which is um, crappy because someone else who isn't playing basketball is Karis LeVert, and someone else who isn't playing basketball is Kevin Durant. And I jokingly made on Twitter the fact that like, okay, you want the positive spit about this. The Nets three years ago, the Nets couldn't even have dreamed of having an injury report that looked as good as it does now, but. Um, you know what my my sub hope is. Obviously, I don't want Kyrie to miss a bunch of games, but I almost wish the impingement was impingy enough that he doesn't play in Boston. I don't. I don't want that experience. I've talked about this before. I don't want the experience of Kyrie playing in Boston. Those fans, the slow start that this team has had. I don't really want the stories leading into that pre-Thanksgiving, the penultimate day before Thanksgiving. 
um, mm. that game. I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in that debate. That's not a not a thing I care about. So I I hope it is impinged enough that he doesn't play in that game. You know, it's going to be worse than that game is whenever Boston comes to Brooklyn. That's going to be painful too. Well, that's on Friday. Travel because nobody lives in Boston anymore because it sucks so bad. So <laughs> they'll move to Brooklyn. <laughs> Won't shut up about being from Boston. You can tell I'm butthurt. But this is me being mega butthurt. Um, oh, and you're also you're also triggered by the fact that the Celtics are good at basketball. Again. Well, everyone should be. I mean, it's you, triggering. You know what I hate? I think it was on Get Up this morning or another morning. I, I, not that I was watching, but it came across my Twitter feed. It was like the question, and it's an obvious question. It's one that matters. But why are the Celtics better with Kemba than they are with Kyrie? So what you'll get is on TV, you'll get three clips of like, Kyrie as a Celtic in a stagnant offense and, you know, maybe making an errant pass or trying to take an entire defense one against five and trying to score. And then to prove the point that Kemba is better for the Celtics, you'll get, of course, like the three best plays that Kemba was a part of for the Celtics this season. And I hope we all realize that that is a disingenuous way to measure um, who is better than whom in a certain situation. Like, you, you're, it's television. You have to show pictures and video of w- what you're trying to explain. And you can't just show every clip from Kyrie's season last year. You can't show every clip from Kemba's season this season. But can we please, like, understand that – and I'm triggered by this. I'll be, I'll be all honest. Donald Trump Jr. is triggered by this. Mm-hmm. We all have to understand that, like, the Celtics are better. They had been playing better because – the younger guys have improved, and Kyrie being away from that maybe is part of it. But the, also the reason why the Nets aren't playing that well is not because of Kyrie. The only reason why the Nets are 5-8 and eight is because of Kyrie Irving. Well, 4-8, and eight because, of course, he wasn't. You know, he, he was not a part of one of the wins. Funny storyline out of that Bulls game. Could you have predicted, Brian, that we would have had that storyline of are the Nets better without Kyrie? Did you was that a just storyline, a just line of discussion? Who is who is trafficking in that storyline? I'm telling you, there are there are rivers and streams <laughs> in Nets Twitter <laughs> of people lightly dipping their toe in the already dipping their toe in the maybe the Nets are better without Kyrie. I don't know where you are in the hinterlands of Nets Twitter <laughs> to, to see <laughs> takes like that. Um no, and you could tell I mean it's you know I mean, not luckily. I mean, obviously, and in the wake of last night's just like pure offensive dreariness of the worst kind. Um, you could be there. Like we were talking about, like what would it look like? I mean, obviously, having a second point guard that's not Spencer Dinwiddie. That's like, and again, I love Theo Pinson. I love him <laughs> as a brother, even maybe as a father. Um, but not as a guy that's going to run an offense, unfortunately. Um, Theo, not you want yet. Theo Pinson to be both your brother and your father. Yeah, okay. more than I would want him to be running <laughs> the second team for the Nets. Um, that would be fine. But um, so we're like, you know, what's what's the market out there for for those types of guards? Um, but also, like, if we're just going to kind of be like mixing and matching and like really not being super cohesive and just like injury prone and everything, what's the market out there for just like a post? post-offensive player a like this year's Jaleel Okafor right like where is he um, right because just dumping it into somebody for a just to diversify when when nobody is shooting threes and everyone's breaking like smoking layups off of the off the glass like crazy um just a little person to break up that monotony would be would be welcome 
we kind of need like Glenn, Big Baby Davis, and you know, pick any like who else? Is, like, can Baron Davis come back and play ten minutes a game for the Nets? Just somebody who can like you know eat up some clock and have it actually like be you know better for it. Like, because you would see like Theo Pinson just sort of like pound the ball into dust and then and then chuck a three a couple of times because everyone was so gassed and um, doing a version of that that could actually just like end up in a in a crusty five footer would be much. Would be a bit of an improvement. Weekends are made for football, and with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. Now that I think about it, with all the hoops and hockey action going on, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you into the action 24-7, 365 days a year. This week, DraftKings is running a special NFL insurance promo. Bet on a team to win, and if they score at least 24 points, your bet is safe. DraftKings will credit back your wager if your team goes on to lose. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K, for a limited time. All new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit of up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times played. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, people are talking about Kuruks. Are you uh, oh. Are you worried about your boy? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that... Well, in general, let's... Like, should we talk about this? Like, yes. even more, more than just country? that. Yes. Ca- Captain Marvelous 33, um, as ever, just just wants to talk about the big, the macro topics. Um, he says, can you guys please, please lay down the law on the fans telling us not to panic and acting like we are just fine? Um, Mike, in your mind, are you prepared to panic? Is this a panic-inducing no. moment for you? No, absolutely. The, I mean, okay. We can we can be um, concerned. Concerned is a word I can feel like uh, expressing on a continual basis. But I also I want us all to have some perspective. Though I don't I don't know if you saw what Spencer did what he said, but he was like we're like a couple of possessions away from being nine and two or whatever the the number would be nine and four, um, which yes is true. But we're also technically a couple of possessions away from being like three and ten. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I'm not in the Spencer Dinwiddie dream world where like a couple of possessions swings this team as into one of the top contenders in the East though. It's like, okay, if you're going to write a beginning of a season, this isn't the way you're going to do it, but there's things to be excited about. There is an elite skill on this team and it's offense, particularly when Karis Levert and Kyrie Irving are healthy. They're an elite offensive team. They're terrible on defense. Okay. Well, you hope that that changes over time, and often defense is the thing that does change over time. That typically teams who are really bad at defense early on the season do have the ability to get better, and I don't think teams that are really bad on offense can get better at offense. Um, everything is a skill, and everything is an ability to grow. My biggest concern with this team continues to be, of course, the defense, and if they're not scoring at a super high level, they're not going to be competitive in most games. Okay, what's the overall goal of this team? The overall goal of this team is to make the playoffs and to be in a position to where if Kevin Durant is healthy, that he has a place to play in April, May, June, not July, because that would be uh, summer league. I don't know. I'm not concerned. Are you are you generally worried? Worried? Are you? Are what would be your biggest worried warts? If you had a body full of worried warts. 
I think the existential concern that Captain Marvelous is speaking to here is that like none of these parts are matching up and the um the chemistry is just out of whack to a dangerous degree. Um that I I'm not ready to sign off on. Um if if I'm maybe I'm not parsing that correctly. I think that's sort of the the vibe. There's, there's like problems that are endemic to just like how this team is structured. Um which I don't think so. You know, we're just like incredibly banged up and, you know, not, um, and ultimately none of it really matters. Cause like we're not playing, we don't have Kevin Durant yet. So like truly none of this matters and everything will change when that happens and he'll save us from this nightmare. Yeah. And like, okay. So I haven't looked at the, the Eastern conference standings and I'll do that as I'm speaking right now, but the, the there's, there, there is an element of this that like you see, you can, you can you hear me like stammering? As I'm like trying to, I'm just, figure I'm just the, laughing at Captain Marvelous. Just be like, we're playing like ass. That's the problem. <laughs> Captain Marvelous feels like, um, like just like a like a boomer. He could be in his sixties. Okay, like. boomer. Um, no, but the <laughs> the the Nets are currently ninth in in the Eastern Conference. Okay, with this loss, and the teams above them are Charlotte, Orlando, Indiana, of course. And then there is like a pretty stout top of the conference, which is Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Toronto, and Philly. That that's a fairly stout top five at this moment. Miami's been playing really well, and Boston's been playing really really well. Indiana has been playing well, and obviously Indiana kicked the Nets Tukases. Very scary. And my Google's talking to me because they said Tukas. I think mm. um, I didn't know that we had that kind of relationship, but. Mm-hmm. I am pretty confident the Nets are going to quote unquote write the ship because I don't even think it's um, lefted. If you write the ship, is it lefted when it's in the wrong area? I think that's technically right. Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay, um, I am a yachty. Um, <laughs> um, You're not a yachty, but um, any white glove service. You ha- I mean, if you're gonna promise white glove service, you have to do white glove service. That's sort that's of that's true. That's kind of my angle. I don't know, man. Nobody I, knows what we're talking about anymore. We've lost them because nobody watches Blow Deck. Um, then, okay, the main point of what I was just saying, which didn't really seem like it had much of a point, is the Nets are one win away from the seventh seed in the East. And, again, the ultimate goal is to be there at the end of the season with a chance for Kevin Durant to play basketball. And, like, we will analyze, like, the problems with this team – my biggest concern right now is that I think Kenny Atkinson is being too honest about his feelings, which I'm a guy who loves to express my feelings, um, which is like my, my MO. But he's being he's like he's almost speaking too much about the fact that this team is he do, they do have problems at the moment, that they're below average, they don't play defense. Um, he talks openly about like chemistry issues, not in terms of the locker room, but in terms of being on the floor. And I I, I don't I don't know if I want the leader of my team kind of saying those things. If I can be honest, well, okay. I want a little more. Is. I want a little more tunnel vision in the foxhole from Kenny Atkinson. He's being a little too honest, my friend. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm, it's not a big deal. But um, are we going to be okay? We're going to rattle off some wins here, despite the impingement, or what's going to happen? <laughs> um, they have to. They play what is it? Charlotte, the Knicks. Um, this is like this is the part of the schedule where you should be getting wins. And how they're going to get mm. wins without Kyrie Irving will be extremely difficult. No, but, I mean we'll just go back to how we played against the Bulls. That'll be that'll be easy. Yeah, 
That, um, can we can we just live in the Bulls game for a second? Like how awesome that is. Yeah, like, like just just like drive and kick and drive and kick. Just get back to that. Um, how long did you stay for the Pacers? We game? we stayed pretty much the all the way to the end. I think. Uh, what? Because I mean, like it it wasn't like it was weird because like like I was saying like <clears throat> there was only one like really painfully like lame portion of the game which made up like a quarter of the game, but. Um, after that, like the energy level was was fine and corrected. It was just that the game was completely out of out of reach. Um, so it was like fun to watch and be there for. What when you saw Nick Claxton in person? Give me what's your scouting report? What did it feel like to see him in person? I'm trying to think if anybody really stood. The one person that stands out to me in person is Demontis Sabonis for having. Does he have a really small? Um, wingspan is that is that a thing? <laughs> I'd <don't laughs> like to follow up on this because he just looks like weird. You know how like seven like or almost seven foot tall guys have like just like really wild proportions usually. Yeah, he just kind of like doesn't have. He just looks like a, like a normal shaped guy, just like you know, just like went with your phone, just like weird, <laughs> like made it bigger. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah. Anyways, that I was just fixated on on Sabonis the whole game. Um, but yeah, I have no I have no special hot takes from watching Nick Claxton live. I was. I was kind of in a drunken stupor by the time that was all going on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, man. I mean, um, do you want to talk about how Dinwiddie's getting his pants suit off by the NBA? Yeah. So uh, let's take a quick break for the, all those oh, out wow. there in the in the free podcast land, and then we'll be right back with a delicious bit about Spencer Dinwiddie. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the one that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. From the latest Yeezys to even retro Jordans, want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash B-B-A-L-L. Check it out today. Okay, so this is from The Athletic Shams, which we are a part of. And if you want to read this article, you can if you go to TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. Um, the NBA, this is from Shams, the NBA hired outside legal counsel to take part in its ongoing discussions with Brooklyn Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie regarding his investment vehicle, which he's been using his contract as a way to people to invest sort of in his career in a way. It's it's interesting to me that I, what, what I want to know most is like how much money Spencer Dinwiddie is being invested in at this point. And I want to know, he's doing this one, as sources say, with knowledge of Dinwiddie's thinking. This is from Shams. He wants to design a method that he hopes could improve players' economic options while also making the alterations that would accommodate the league's concerns. Dinwiddie was puzzled as to why the NBA has taken this current stance, such as wanting a single trigger for the three, whatever that means. So where are you mentally on this whole Dinwiddie contract thing? Are you actually in support of Spencer Dinwiddie? Are you shifting further and further away from our man, Spence? Uh, Of course I'm in support of it. I like anything that's... um that's confusing and I don't really fully understand. <laughs> um, but that involves um, financing with millions of dollars and sports contracts and things like that. Um, that's, that's cool to me. Um, I don't really understand the argument though, that it violates the collective bargaining agreement. Um, but then again, I'm not a lawyer that's poured all over the CBA. So um, there's that. Um, but apparently like Spencer Dinwiddie is just like you, like I, of course I would have read the CBA and of course my lawyers looked at it and said like, it was fine. Like I'm not stupid. 
Um, his argument is that they're just um, like pointing to the CBA as, I guess, like a you know a, a scapegoat or something, or just like maybe like trying to manufacture consent from other players to to come down on this. Or I don't know. Um, what it what it feels like to me, the reading I'm getting from what we're seeing reporting in many places um, is that. It's sort of like the NBA, Spencer Dinwiddie found this new market, which he definitely did, that the NBA was not aware was going to be a thing when the C, whatever CBA they're referencing, well, the CBA that they're referencing. And owner, they're immediately resistant to it because it does seem like a way that players can get money that is outside of the NBA's control, really. And there is, yes, there is a percent chance that what the players are doing could be bankrupt them like essentially what what Dinwiddie is allowing is like he he if he if his career falls apart he may not be able to pay back his investors the way that he would want to if he managed this poorly um and I may there could be some concern that the NBA is like that players will get in financial troubles but players get in financial troubles all the time and it doesn't really affect them at all as being NBA players like they're just in trouble financially. Um, I just think they're like the NBA is like just sour. They're just sour. The fact that Spencer Dinwiddie f- is exploiting a new market that he frankly has every right to. There's no reason that he can't they do just, what he they wants just to want do. a piece of it. They're going to come down on it. Like just like gambling. They're going to come down on it until they can get a piece of it and then open the floodgates. The sports gamble that the whole sports gambling thing is amazing to me because, you know, we had Tim Donnie on the podcast and, you know, what he was doing was different than like condoning sports gambling or whatever. I mean, he was going eight levels above that. But the NBA literally goes around to states now, sends their lawyers to states to help draft legislation to make sports gambling as available as possible. Um, I've covered press conferences with, I believe, Matt Spillane is his name or whoever it is with the NBA, who is like, we want mobile betting. We want to allow mobile betting. We want states to allow it so that it makes it as prevalent as possible. And so it, their belief is that it would eradicate illegal gambling because if you make it as available as possible, there's no reason to gamble illegally. Sports, I mean, like, obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie's situation is a little bit different, but you're right. It's like the NBA probably feels like we're missing out on an opportunity to make money. And Spencer Dinwiddie has hoodwinked us and we feel inadequate of under Spencer's intellect, you know, Brian. I'm I'm excited for. I mean, your boy Josiah is talking about having five G like gambling parlors all over the <laughs> all over Barclays Center. I'm excited for it to look like um, just like a like a smoky uh, casino in a, in the not too distant future, like like literally the movie Casino. That's what I would want a in Nets game, just like roulette tables all along the side of the. The game. <laughs> the Nets could um, the Nets could have a celebrity celebrity pit boss for every game. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you get, I get mean, it. A game like last night would be oh. like Christopher Walken and uh, <laughs> Deer Deer Hunter. <laughs> we could have that going on in the back room too, in the meditation room. Last night's game was um, crappy <laughs> because the the well, the Nets actually had the lead at the very beginning of the game, and then the Pacers completely dominated the second quarter and the Nets were doing everything they could to get back into that game. Dinwiddie look exhausted by like the eight minute mark in the fourth because he was in so much and they were really trying offensively to get back in the game. But then on defense, it was just like, 
like Aaron Holiday was dominating them, and I mean, Sabonis got what did he get? Like twenty rebounds. Hey, mm-hmm. Bri. They really. Anyways, yeah, we we need nobody a... freak out. Everyone, don't let don't let Captain Marvelous, you know, rile everybody up with his rabble rousing. Um, J.K. I mean, Captain Marvelous, you're you're speaking to all of our deepest fears and. You know that's important. It's important to have somebody that's <laughs> that's serving as the id, the collective id of the fan base. Um, oh, uh, Captain Marvelous asks how we're feeling about Kenny these days. Um, how do you feel about Kenny? We've never really done any like actual analysis of Kenny Atkinson. It doesn't feel like his his actual coaching. Yeah, like never, <laughs> it's always just sort of been like he's had the, a green light forever <clears throat> with no expectations. Are you feeling like that, um, like maybe he's, his green light is dwindling? It's becoming a little bit yellow? Like, are we, should we start scrutinizing this dude a little bit more seriously? I, I mean, so I, I've been saying, you know, I even said it earlier in the pod, I think his public comments have been a little too... Uh, you know, public comments, but I'm talking about X's and O's here. I'm talking about the Kenny Atkinson basketball philosophy. I know, and I think, so it's part of like the thing of like, uh, a manager who has a bull, bad bullpen, you can't really criticize them when they're trotting out guys out of the bullpen and they and all, they just blow the game. This team, like defensively, like you could kill them for not being good enough defensively. And I can see, like in the future, the Nets hire the defensive specialist coach, the Jeff Bizdelic types, or what used to be the Tom Thibodeau types, um, but. And so, like, they suck defensively, and that's why they keep losing a lot of games. I But I also, they don't have the players who really ultimately care about defense or have the ability to be really good on defense. Like, we all love Joe Harris, and he's trying super-duper hard. There's a ceiling on Joe Harris's defense no matter how hard he tries. Um, Torian Prince will never be good at defense. Just won't happen. It's not inside his nature. He's not good at defense. Um, Kyrie Irving can be good at defense at times, but really... You can't expect Kyrie to be a lockdown defender at this point. He's a smallish point guard who is relied upon mightily on offense. Can't really be good at defense. So, like, what I'm mostly saying is, like, we used to joke about victim of circumstance. I kind of think Kenny's just a victim of circumstance in this game. And Mm. I think the thing I like most about Kenny Atkinson is still, like, it's the players improve under his watch, and it seems like they really respond to him personally really well. And Kevin Durant even said coming over, why part of the reason why he wanted to come to the Nets was he really liked what Sean Marks was doing, and he looked up a lot of Kenny Atkinson footage and seemed like he liked the personality of Kenny Atkinson. I think that is still important, particularly for a team that now has this heightened expectations. X's and O's, like sure, like maybe he, you know, maybe he's not drawing up the best def- defense. I mean, defenses, but who is like who's the the amazing defensive coach at this point in the NBA NBA who isn't like the Utah Jazz are great on defense but that's because they have Gobert uh, the Magic are great on defense but that's because they have like eight guys who are all over seven feet tall you know I, I'm very happy with Kenny Atkinson I you know there could be things that it could be better I personally love him holding up signs that is you know I love that mm. I. I, I think that gets him a B plus as opposed to a B because he's willing to hold up a sign and willing to kind of degrade himself <laughs> to that level to be the mm-hmm. sign holder, dude. Um, he's still, in my opinion, like he's still sort of 
his his track record of development um, puts him into a class of coaches that's like you know sort of beyond reproach because there's no expectations. But as soon as Kevin Durant comes back, it's like it's on. You know, that's it. Things got things will get real really fast. Um, IMO. Um, and if and if Kyrie and Kevin Durant are coming or back and <clears throat> we're still like having a hard time breezing through uh, a depleted Pacers squad, like we're gonna have some serious problems here, Mike. Yes, but yeah, okay. but I th- I think Kevin Durant will be. It's like it's almost not a great situation, but Kenny will have cover because it's like no coach could perfectly integrate Kevin Durant in in the final. 10 games of the season. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about next year. I'm not really. Oh, next year. Well, next year they're going to have a star player number three and Phil Jackson will be the coach of the nets. And we don't have to worry about Kenny Atkinson at that point. So cool. Cool. Um, Sick. Sick. Well, do you want to tie a bow on this first half of the two episodes that we're going to do right now? Yeah. Perfect. Thank you all for listening. Twitch. We love you. The inclusion into this show from your integration but, into it is beautiful. But stay on because we're actually about to record a second episode right now. At PK Glue on Twitter, netsailor.com, The Athletic. <laughs> if you want 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic, all you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. It's, it's, it's an absolutely wonderful Hanukkah gift and a good Christmas gift. So that's your choice. Uh, Brian, thank you for listening. Wow, thanks for having me. Yeah, boy!